Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. First, a little Ohio Mysteries business. We want to give a shout out to all the kind folks out there who have pitched in to keep us on the air. So thank you to our Patreon supporters, Megan, Mark, Sarah, Paula, Lynn, Tiffany, Heidi, Bradley, Laura, Harry, Dolores, Wendy, Justin, Mickey, MP Banks, Jane, Vicky, Jana, Linda, Molly, Lisa, and our longest running donor, Mary Beth. And a very big thank you to our PayPal donors. Erica, Bradley, Jody, Jonathan, Doug, Paula, Don E, Don W, Craig, Lydia, Richard, CJ, Angie, and Lee. Now on with the show. Columbus is a big bad daddy. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of Bucknut by the Hard Rock Group <laughs> by the Hard Rock Group called So High, which has members spread across Jackson, Gallia, and Franklin counties. So High is our featured Ohio musical artist tonight. So hang out with us to the end of the podcast. We'll tell you all about them and let you listen to that entire song. Right now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our award-winning journalist, Paula Schleiss, who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Akron Beacon Journal. Hi, everyone. Okay, so last week, we talked about a successful initiative by the Ohio Attorney General's Office that tested all the old rape kits that were collecting dust and police evidence rooms. We covered that in our Highland Square Rapist episode when we revealed how all those old kits held evidence of more than 300 serial rapists, most of whom were never caught. Well, this week, we're talking about the Ohio Attorney General's Office again, because just two months ago, 
they announced they had formed a new cold case squad at the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, and they named 11 unsolved murders that were their primary targets. Now, there are at least a couple of thousand open homicide cases in the state, so I'm guessing that these 11 were chosen in part because they either have DNA available or some kind of potential for being solved using modern forensic analysis that just wasn't available when the crimes were committed. Tonight, we're going to explore three of those cases that have a couple of things in common. First, all three of these cases tonight have stumped authorities for four decades. Second, these cases largely disappeared from public view soon after they happened. Now, we know some murders get revisited by the media on anniversaries or as suspects are identified or as new evidence comes to light or as families come forward wanting to talk about their loved ones. But these are cases where there were no reported twists and turns, homicides that went stone cold so fast they were all but forgotten. So stick around, and we're going to tell you everything that we could find out about a 1983 murder from Stark County, a 1978 homicide from Cincinnati, and a 1981 death in Union County. All three of those cases now on the BCI's Cold Case Squad Top Wanted list. First, the story of Carol Zastadil in Stark. Carol was a 36-year-old wife and mother who worked part-time for a local psychologist. She had a son and a daughter from her first marriage. And in 1983, the three of them were living with her second husband, Richard Zastadil. The couple had purchased a ranch house two years earlier on Graydon Avenue South in Perry Township. And while the past two years had given them time to settle in, the last couple of months had completely unsettled them. That's because in October of 83, they had an unwanted visitor. Carol woke in the middle of the night and went to the kitchen to get a drink of water when she saw someone in her house. She ran to her bedroom and woke her husband, and he fumbled in the dark to get and load a pistol. But in the meantime, the intruder fled. The Zastadils took inventory. They didn't see anything missing, so they decided not to file a police report. But they did start making sure their doors were locked at all times. Of course, it can be really hard to keep up that level of vigilance. And there may be no level of vigilance that can keep out someone who is determined. Two months later, on December 21, Richard left for work about 7.15 a.m. And an hour later, Carol's son and daughter left the house to meet the school bus. Someone forgot to close the garage door. Shortly before noon, Richard got a call at work. His stepson was sick and there was no answer on the home phone. So Richard picked up the boy from school and they went home together. And that's when they found Carol. She was in her daughter's room, 
her throat cut. Her purse had been rifled. A couple of drawers were upended and about $500 in cash was missing. Neighbors told reporters they were shaken that something like that could happen on a routine day in their peaceful neighborhood. But nobody saw anything that could help police. If the police ever came close to identifying a suspect in this case, it was never reported. That was 37 years ago. Our next case happened 42 years ago and remains the only active murder investigation in the city of Loveland, Ohio. In the spring of 1978, Cheryl Thompson was a 19-year-old University of Cincinnati freshman. During the school year, she had been living on the campus, but it was spring break. So she went to stay with her parents at their apartment in the Hamilton County village of Marimont. On the evening of Friday, March 24, Cheryl and her 16-year-old brother Danny were hanging out and eating supper from those old foil-wrapped TV dinners. Then, around 10 p.m., Cheryl told Danny she was going to go to the Gatsby's. That was a disco club on Madison Road in a Cincinnati neighborhood called Oakley. She was going to meet her boyfriend there. Danny was the last person to see Cheryl alive. At the club, Cheryl's boyfriend, whose name was never published as far as I can tell, waited until about midnight. And when she didn't show up in the club, he went out looking for her. He found her locked car parked nearby on Box Street. It wasn't an illegal parking area. The boyfriend went back to Cheryl's parents' home, confirmed nobody had seen her there. Then he took the extra set of car keys back to Box Street and moved Cheryl's car to a legal parking spot. He spent another two hours searching the area without success, and then this chilling twist. He returned to Cheryl's car, but only in time to see it being driven off by a man he didn't know. He said he gave chase, but lost sight of the car on Paxton Road near Hyde Park Plaza. Friends and family continued their frantic search for Cheryl until 2 p.m. that afternoon, then called in the police. A couple of weeks later, on April 8, a state game warden named Mike Serio was driving along East Kemper Road near the banks of the Little Miami River in Loveland. It was just before 10 a.m., and it was his job to check the licenses of fishermen. He saw a couple of parked cars, so he pulled over to see if they were fishing. He looked down the steep embankment toward the river, and that's when he saw a body entangled in brush about 20 feet from the water's edge. Serio called police, and they arrived to find a young woman, face down, partially clothed. Dental records quickly confirmed it was Cheryl. An autopsy performed by the Hamilton County Coroner found she had been raped, beaten, and strangled. This past October, Cheryl's brother, Bill Thompson, spoke publicly for the first time in 42 years. 
He said he learned his sister was missing the day he graduated from the police academy in Austin, Texas. Bill told Fox 19 News his sister wanted to be a nurse, and that was a natural choice for a young woman who was driven by compassion. He said, you always knew she was going to be the one that would grow up in a job of helping other people. It's just the way she was. Loveland is a small community, and over the past four decades, this case has been passed on to several generations of investigators. There hasn't been much written about it in the years since it happened, but clearly the police have never stopped looking. And it may be a matter of timing, because DNA was not available back in 1978. But when the BCI decided to add Cheryl to their list, it was revealed that they did have limited DNA evidence. So fingers crossed, the Thompson family will get an answer and some long-denied justice. This is Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you as Ohio vs. the world makes history fun again. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. third case on the BCI's list in our last case tonight is almost 40 years old. And for this one, we're going to start in Delaware County. That's northwest of Columbus. Joanne Hebert was 14 years old in 1981 and living with her parents and siblings on Dublin Road in the village of Shawnee Hills. She was getting ready to begin her freshman year at Dublin High School. On July 22, a Wednesday afternoon, while Joanne's parents were at work, she told her brother she was going to get a soda pop from the nearby Tag Market, which used to be located at the intersection of Dublin and Glick Roads. Her brother watched her hop on a reddish-orange 10-speed bike and pedal away. When Joanne wasn't home by 11 p.m., her family went searching for her. At 2 a.m., they called the Delaware County Sheriff's Office. Police found someone who saw Joanne at the market at 5 p.m. She was talking on a payphone. Three hours later, the market closed and Joanne was gone, but her bike was still there, parked in front of the store. It wouldn't be there for long. Overnight, the bike disappeared. 
Police still have no idea if it was simply stolen or whether Joanne or an assailant came back for it. But Joanne's mother said, not Joanne. She insisted her daughter would never have run away and pressed the sheriff to keep looking for her. She said Joanne was timid and soft-spoken. She described her as a frightened little girl who wouldn't talk to strangers. That contributed to the detective's theory that Joanne walked away from that store with someone she knew. Her family never learned who it was that she called on the payphone that day. Weeks passed with no word from Joanne or any indication of what had happened to her. Summer ended, school started, still no sign. On Tuesday, September 29, it was around noon in a wooded area of Union County next door to Delaware. And a hunter looking for squirrels found something else. Partially clothed, decomposing remains. This was off McKittrick Road, and it was three miles from where Joanne lived. The coroner confirmed it was her. She was wearing only her purple blouse and her bra. Her Levi jeans were lying next to her. She had been sexually assaulted, then beaten to death, likely at the site where she was found. As with our other two stories tonight, there were not further revelations in this story as the decades passed. Now, there are other cases on the BCI cold case list, and we'll be covering them soon. But we wanted to share those three stories with you tonight, because even though they're short on details, Cheryl, Joanne, and Carol definitely need to be remembered, and those cases need to be solved. Thanks for joining us, listeners, for photos, news, clippings, and more on this and every episode. Hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com. And that brings us to tonight's featured Ohio musical artist. So High is a hard melodic rock band comprised of Steve Abeley on local vocals and guitar, Jack Johnston on guitar, Kent Jolly on bass, and Jeremy Rupert on drums. And a shout out to their hometowns of Wellston, Patriot, and Blacklick, Ohio. So High has been busy lately, and not just with music. They've partnered with Five Hives Honey. That's hives, as in bees. And they're going to produce So High Habanero Honey next spring. But they're still making music, too. They recently signed with Beach Management Booking Group, and they've been working on their fourth music video. And they're recording some new songs. The song we're featuring tonight is called Bucknut, the name that caused Steve to break out in laughter there. And as states the band, it came from our love of everything Ohio, including the Buckeyes. We wanted to inspire all our fellow Ohioans to be proud of our state and to bring us all together positively during the pandemic. So you can find So High on Facebook and Instagram, and their songs, of course, are available on all the usual platforms. Well, let's have another listen to Bucknut by So High, and we'll see you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mystery. Cincinnati
Ohio. summer sticker sales event so give your friends something to look at like a b&b with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers or a sunset that needs no filter make this a summer to share and save with a capable kia suv or powerful sedan see your local kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more kia movement that inspires call 800-334-KIA for details always drive safely sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only quantities are limited must take delivery by 7824